0: Well, welcome to Radiant Life, part... Five of our teaching series, Unchanging. I am so glad that I am here with you all this weekend, but most importantly, I'm glad you made Radiant Life a part of your weekend. And those watching online, thanks for making room and making time this morning to jump online and engage us that way. I think today there's gonna be some life-changing truths if you're a follower of Jesus. This whole series, we've been exploring some unchanging changing truths because our world seems to be going in every direction. It seems like it's pulling us to the left, then it pulls us to the right. It pulls us into things that once were right are now deemed wrong and what was once wrong are now deemed right. How do you and I stand in a culture that is constantly shifting on us? We've been sitting in what's known as the Nicene Creed, where church leaders got together and they became a group of people known as the Nicene Council in AD 325. The church leaders got together there and was wondering, hey, the church is under attack by this outside doctrine that Jesus wasn't God. And so they sat there and said, what do we truly believe? So when outside people come in and begin to not bring truth to us. How do we handle it? What do we do? What do we know as a firm foundation of biblical truths? And so they took about 180,000 words of the Bible and got it down to the Cliff Notes version. About 271 words of the essentials of our faith. And that is where we are sitting in throughout this series. I want us to bring this image back up that I introduced to all of you guys about two weeks or uh, on week two of the series. And it's this image that we learned about the triune God, this idea of the Trinity, that God is, the Father is God. The Son, Jesus, is God, and Holy Spirit is God. But the Father is not Jesus, the Father is not God, the Holy Spirit's not the Father, nor is he Jesus. Jesus is not the Spirit, and he's not the Father. I want us to have that lens as we jump in to this fifth part of what the Nicene Creed, as we dive a little bit deeper into a very foundational peer of our faith So have that image in your mind, and let's read the next section of our Nicene Creed as we are tearing it apart layer by layer. It reads this way. We believe in the, can we say these two words together? The Holy Spirit, in the uncreated and the perfect, who spoke through the law, prophets, and gospels. The law, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that's known as the law or the Pentateuch. That's the law. The prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, those are the prophets. And the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the first four books of your New Testament. Meaning that the Holy Spirit spoke and inspired the authors and gave them the words to write down as they penned scripture. Who came down upon the Jordan... What does that mean? That's when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. It said the heavens parted, and that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, came down on the heaven like a dove on Jesus. Like a dove, not a dove, but like a dove upon the Jordan. Preach through the apostles the rest of your New Testament as they went out and spread the good news that the Holy Spirit had anointed them with power to preach the gospel message and lived, what's this one word? In the saints, you and I. Lived in the saints, that's you and I. Today is a foundational teaching on the Holy Spirit. Part of the Trinity. God is three in one. And we are talking about a third of the personhood of the triune God that you and I worship, the creator God. And I know immediately when you hear Holy Spirit, there are already camps in here. Some of you grew up in a more traditional church, a little more ritual, a little more rigorous, and you never spoke of the Holy Spirit. Maybe perhaps if you heard the Holy Spirit, you thought those are for the weirdos, right? There's that camp of people. On the other side, there's this camp that are sitting there going, about time, a spirit-filled church. When are we getting the banners out and worshiping? Woohoo!" Right? There's that camp of people. And then there's probably a camp that's right here that says, I've seen some weird things before, but I don't know what I actually believe. And so I know that there's the tension of all within all camps of the third person of the Trinity Holy Spirit And I just want to give us some level playing ground. And I know we did a teaching series back in November, December, all about the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to come at it from a a slightly different angle. But this will be beautiful doctrine in understanding the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know for some of us right now, we sit there and go, man, I'm a little nervous about this. Like I was just starting to like Radiant Life. And now you're talking about Holy Spirit. And you're all going to get weird on me now. No, Listen. Holy Spirit is not weird. There are people who are weird that talk about Holy Spirit, all right? (laughs) Hey, they're weird without Holy Spirit. They're just weird, right? And the problem is sometimes we just got used to that and we equate it. You know, there's a study out right now that says one in three people are weird. So turn to your left and turn to your right. If they're not weird, guess who it is? It's you. The Holy Spirit is not weird. There's so much more for us. If we understand who's been here and working here for the last 2,000 years. Listen, we know more about Jesus who lived about 33 years on planet earth than we do about Holy Spirit who's been here for 2,000 years. Think about that. That, whew, that just, blo- that sits there and goes, wow, yep, there's a lot I got to get to know. Who's the one that's in you? Holy Spirit's in you. We ought to know the presence of God that's inside of us. It doesn't have to be weird. Come on. Now here's our issue. You know what? It's hard to get a picture of Holy Spirit, Right? Maybe for some of us, we've seen pictures of just uh, may, maybe some medieval icons or drawings of maybe what the Father, Heavenly Father, looks like. Maybe some images or icons of what Jesus may look like. But let's let's put this to the test real quick. I want us all, and nothing's weird going to happen. I'm not going to do anything to you. Just uh, let's all close our eyes for a moment, if you will. Let's let's do this. Close our eyes and picture in your head God the Father. Get a picture. Okay, now open it. Did it maybe look something like this? Maybe? Maybe just, uh, you know, I was a kid's pastor before I jumped into different uh, pastoral roles. And one of my favorite activities is I always had the kids draw a picture of what they thought God the Father looked like. This was it. It was always that guy that had, I don't know why, it's always white long hair and white long beard, like Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. I don't know why. But a lot of our pictures is like, oh, maybe it's that very wise grandfather-looking idea. All right, let's jump in. Let's close our eyes again. And I want you to get a picture of what maybe perhaps you think Jesus looks like, the second part of the Trinity. Okay, open your eyes. Maybe perhaps an image like this. Maybe you've seen this on your grandmother's wall or something, but we have probably some sort of picture of what Jesus looks like. Now, I wanna take a moment and look at this picture. Jesus was a Middle Eastern man (laughs) in Israel. Not white, but olive skin color, more than likely. Not blue eyes, probably brown or hazel, something a little darker than what's in here. And I do know this, my Jesus doesn't wear lipstick. (laughs) He's powerful, man. He brings power and might. All right? (laughs) We just have different images. A lot of our images that depict Jesus actually come from the medieval times and a lot of icons that creeped into the churches. But we have it. Now, let's do one last one. Let's close our eyes one last time. Think of Holy Spirit. Okay, now open your eyes. Maybe you're like, Ryan, I... I didn't come up with anything. I think we have a hard time actually picturing who Holy Spirit is because Holy Spirit's described, like in Luke chapter three, when Jesus got baptized, he's described as a dove. He fell from heaven, came down from heaven like a dove. And so oftentimes if you see any images of Holy Spirit, maybe there's a dove involved with it, but Holy Spirit's not a dove. It says he fell like a dove upon Jesus. And, and, uh, John chapter 7, Jesus is talking and he's teaching in the temple. In John chapter 7, he says, listen, the waters, living water will flood through you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. So now we have an an image of like a dove, he's falling like a dove, whatever that looks like. And and, and you have this image of this, you know, he's water, he's living water rushing in us and through us and out of us. But also that is, you're you're told in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit falls upon the, the 120 and they got baptized in the Spirit which just means immersed in the Holy Spirit. They were filled. And what did what did the Holy Spirit come? It was like a violent wind, right? Came into the room and now there's little tongues of fire above people's heads. And so you get fire and wind and you're like, I just don't know exactly what Holy Spirit looks like. And it's hard to put... Um, It's hard to actually imagine, and I think this is one of the reasons why we struggle with the third part of the Trinity, because we may have an image for the Heavenly Father, we may have an image for God, but we're unsure about Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do this morning is to have you sit back and lean in, but sit back, enjoy, but lean in um, to a life-changing message, especially if you're a follower of Jesus this morning. We're going to have two different conversations, but the first is this. We need to answer, who is Holy Spirit? Who is Holy Spirit? Three quick things for you. Number one, he is a person. He's a what, friends? He's a he's a person. Holy Spirit is not a something. He is a someone. Holy Spirit is not an it. Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a mystical force like Star Wars, may the force be with you. No, Holy Spirit is a person. Every time in the New Testament, when he talks about Holy Spirit, it uses the personal pronoun for Holy Spirit. Here's an example. When Jesus is in the upper room having the last supper with his disciples and he's kind of explaining to them, listen, I gotta go away from you guys. Listen and lean in to the personal pronoun Jesus uses to explain Holy Spirit. He says this. What's this one word right here? He. He, Holy Spirit, will glorify me. It does not say it will glorify me. Very personal. He, Holy Spirit, will glorify me. For, what's this one word again? He, He, Holy Spirit, will take what is mine and declare it to you. In other words, that Jesus says, I'm going to go away but listen, he, the Holy Spirit will come to you and he's gonna take everything I taught you and declare it to you and he's gonna be with you forever. This is so important for our theology. If, you, if you're a disciple follower of Jesus, please lean in in this moment. Please lean in. No, Holy Spirit is not an it is not a force, he is a person. This is why it matters. If you don't see Holy Spirit as a person, you won't engage him personally. You'll leave him as that thing that just, I don't know what to do with that thing, that it, that whatever, that force. I don't know what to do with it, so I'm just gonna leave it there. Hopefully it behaves itself, and I'll just worry about the Father and the Son, because I can at least relate to that. Oh, yet Holy Spirit is the most tangible, personal part of the Trinity, the one that is in you working through you. And we don't know him. Holy Spirit is a person. It's the second thing. Holy Spirit is God. He's what, friends? He's God. The Holy Spirit is not an afterthought of God. Just sit there and go, hey, you know what? Let's create this, uh, this being here, this person. This, and we'll call it Holy Spirit and freak people out. No, he didn't think about that. The Holy Spirit says he was there from the beginning. From the beginning, do you know at creation, when God spoke things into existence, It said the Spirit was hovering over the waters. He's there from the beginning of creation. Holy Spirit is not lesser than or greater than. Holy Spirit is fully God. Go back to this picture. This is why this is so foundational to our faith, is to understand that the Holy Spirit is God. He's not Jesus, and he's not the Father. But Holy Spirit is fully God, Equal to the Father and the Son. Not lesser, not greater. Equal to. Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is a person. And Holy Spirit is in you. If you don't get anything out of this message, I pray you would walk away knowing that the, that the creator of this universe decided to take residence inside of you. That's good news this morning, Friends. That no matter what you're going through, you are never alone, you are never by yourself. The presence of God is with you as a follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. He is in you and residing in you. Man, that's good news. That's good news. At the moment of your salvation, when you fully surrender and trust into Jesus Christ and you go all in with him, you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is now, he has taken up residency within you. That's awesome. Right, we got to teach our kids. You don't just have little Jesus in your heart; you got Holy Spirit. Come on, like that's awesome. You may take kids. Like, wait, what's Holy Spirit? Right, it, man. You got. I'm gonna. I'm gonna shamelessly plug kids ministry. It's awesome. Kids ministry. Oh my gosh, they're so innocent, which is awesome with their faith. And you learn so much about their parents <laughs> in kids ministry. You do. When you ask a child, when I was a kid's pastor, like, hey, what do you look forward to heaven most? He goes, oh man, a little third grader, I can drink all the beer in the world. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Dig a little further, you realize, well, dad does, makes his own beer in his garage and that's where little boy's getting it from. But you, you learn wonderful things. Sorry, parents, some of you are like scared right now. My child, what is my child saying back there? Hey, they're in good hands. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and the church in Corinth was, uh, again, a a church that was really struggling to be in the world, but not of the world. And Paul writes to that church, we believe there's four letters written to that church, They're trying to understand what does it look like to follow Jesus and give our lives and we should be changed. What does that exactly look like? And this is what Paul has to remind that church. Remember, the church, they're believers, they're Christ followers. And he says this, 2 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your bodies, you are temples, or I'm going to say containers, if you will, of who? Of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God. He's like, don't you guys understand that? Not you are not your own. You were bought at a price. That when Jesus took your sentence on the cross, he paid his life for you. And now you're a temple, a container. The temple in the ancient world was the belief that in the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies is where the presence of God dwelt. When Jesus took his last breath on the cross, there was a veil that separated the people from the presence of God. What happened to the veil? It was torn in half because the presence of God now goes out and he fills you because you're a container. Man, this is good news, This is good news. Uh, Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And I realize what Paul's writing here is in context because the church was struggling with sexual immorality. So he's like, stop doing those bad things. Realize you're a temple. You're a container of the Holy Spirit. Realize this. Church, you are a container created to be filled by Holy Spirit. That's who you are. And that's awesome. And oh man, I'm getting, can I just say something? Well, of course I can. Um, (laughs) Unless I stop myself, I'm going to say something. 2022, I cannot wait for that year. It's the new year. And you're like, oh my gosh, i still got all the fall and Christmas and Thanksgiving. And I understand that. 2021 has just been a a year that I've really grown. And, um, you know, but but it's been hard. And 2021, I lost my grandmother back in February, lost my dad a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, I'm done with 2021. No more loss for a while. But I am so looking forward to where I believe God's gonna take us this next year. And without giving too deep, but we're gonna study basically one book for an entire year with a bunch of off-ramps. And one of those off-ramps is gonna be another series on Holy Spirit where I did not get to cover everything last November and December. And I can't cover it all now. But man, we're praying that you're gonna Deepen your faith to the one that's living and residing within you. What, if you've been journeying with us through this whole series, we started the Nicene Creed, very, very massive statement that God is creator, right? It started very big and what the Nicene Creed's gonna do is it started very big and every week we're getting a little bit narrow and narrow and more intimate with it. It, think about the Old Testament and the way that the Nicene Creed says, you have God the Father, is creator is almighty. He is God over us. He is God what, friends? Over us. He is creator. You are not. You are his creation. I am thankful that our heavenly Father, that things may be over my head, but because he is over me, they're under his feet. Because we face a lot in life. And it starts with this idea that God is creator. He is over all of it. And then you work your way into the New Testament and realize that God will send his son, Jesus Christ, fully God, yet fully human, into one person who is Jesus. And in the New Testament, God, Jesus, is our savior, is called Emmanuel, which literally means God is what, friends? With us. Do you see the progression? There is God over us, now with Jesus, he's with us. And then all of a sudden, when Jesus died and buried, defeated death, rose again, hung out for 40 days, hanging out, and then goes and ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit comes. And look now, the New Testament, God, Holy Spirit, is our counselor. Now it's God is in us. There's God over us, God with us, and now God is in us. The layers of intimacy is coming deeper and deeper down the funnel. I love what, what John, right, this is Jesus again. He says this, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. I wonder in that moment if the disciples were like, no, don't leave us. Like three years have been awesome. Why are you going away? He says, unless I go away, the what friends? The, the advocate, who's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's better that I go away. I was with you. Jesus almost is like saying, there's something better. Because I can't be in you. I'm with you. The Holy Spirit now, the presence of God, will be in you. And that's greater than me hanging out with you. Jesus continues in this story. If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you, there it is, another advocate. Some translations here have comforter, helper, friend or counselor to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. This is good news this morning. You're never alone. The spirit is with you. And then he says this and then Jesus kind of takes it and he's, he's gonna realize, listen, but the world's gonna stumble with Holy Spirit. He says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. And that word know is gnoskos, meaning an intimate relationship. And that's the problem with the world is the world, they don't see him. They don't know him. There's no relationship with Holy Spirit. But here's the good news, friends. Jesus continues, but you know him. You have that intimate relationship with him. For he lives with you and will be in you. What is better than Jesus and God just with us? God in you. You're a container. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the place where God dwells. He is in you. That's good news. Remember, you're a container created to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And if I'm honest, I think maybe for a lot of us, this is where we get tripped up because we, got, we became a believer, we put our faith and trust in Jesus, but that's about where it ended. We just have never been filled. There's a beautiful old hymn that I'm gonna show you the lyrics here. It's absolutely beautiful, it reads this way. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me. God, take what's maybe hard, Maybe some lost passion and melt that back in me, Holy Spirit. Mold me. Whatever, I'm clay and you just mold me into this beautiful container, this beautiful vessel. And when you do that, fill me. Not just for me, now use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Caleb's here to sing this one verse over you. And we're not done yet, but I just felt like we needed to take a break to sit there and allow this to minister to your heart. May this be a true prayer that we as a church would say, "Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me." Father, that's our prayer. Our prayers that you would fall afresh. Maybe for some of us, we've never even thought about that. But oh, Holy Spirit, would you fall on us, fill us. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Caleb. So it leads us to our final conversation. We now, who is Holy Spirit? But the question says, Ryan, what does Holy Spirit do? And this can be a whole message on its own. There are so many verses that tells us what Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer, in the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ. But I want to show you just a few quick verses real quick. Here's the first in John 14. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you everything I have said to you. Who is Holy Spirit? He is your teacher. He's the one that will remind you of things. This is a prayer that I personally pray every morning before I open up God's word. Holy Spirit, teach me. And help me to remember what I read today. That's what He is, Holy Spirit's a teacher to you. In Romans chapter eight, it says this: "Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness." Woo! Aren't you grateful for that? Uh, we're, we're we're often weak. But we're not left alone. The Spirit's there to help us. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. When you and I are lost for words in our prayer and you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit is interceding to your Father on your behalf. He's your intercessor. I think first service I called it interceder. Not sure if that's a word, but I like it better than intercessor. Intercessor. He's your interceder. He goes before you. Isn't this good news? How many times have you used sit there go, I, I don't know how to pray for it, but I know Holy Spirit, you got to do it now. I don't know what else to say, but you do. He intercedes for you. Here's another thing in 2 Corinthians. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what, friends? Yeah. Woo-hoo-hoo! I'm going to tell you what. Please lean in power of Holy Spirit in you, you do not have to walk in bondage and slave to sin. There is freedom. And as soon as you say, I'm all this other stuff and I can never break that sin habit, you are saying sin has greater power than Holy Spirit does. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives inside of you. There is freedom in the name of Jesus. There is freedom when Holy Spirit comes. And I wonder if there may be too many of our brothers and sisters that stay stuck in bondage because they haven't been filled completely with the Spirit yet. Because there is freedom where the Spirit of the Lord is. Whew! It's getting hot. Here's another one. May the God of hope, aren't you thankful? He's the God of hope that you and I have hope as followers of Jesus. We don't walk all around this world not knowing and lost and helplessness and hopelessness. He is the God of hope. We'll fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Holy Spirit is a hope dealer. He's a hope dealer. If I can boil it down to one sentence of what Holy Spirit deeply wants to do in you, it's this. Holy Spirit wants to make you more like Jesus. Everything Holy Spirit will do will point to Jesus. Everything. So here's two quick things as I'm closing. Two quick things. What is holy, how does Holy Spirit do just that? Here's the first. Number one, he cleans you up. I put conviction there. And I know for a lot of us, we don't like that word. because I mean, who sits there and goes, oh yeah, convict me. I love this right? No one likes conviction. But if you know who the Holy Spirit is, he's the spirit of gentleness. And we don't have to be afraid. But he cleans you up. And here's, here's the thing. This is for someone. You don't ever clean yourself up before coming to Jesus. That's not your job. Your job is to surrender. Holy Spirit will come in and clean the parts that doesn't look like Jesus in your life. He will do that. He will do that. And I love that about Jesus, or about Holy Spirit. That he gently convicts and guides us. This is what John, uh, in John chapter 16, this is what Jesus said. And when he, Holy Spirit, again, personal pronoun, he, not it, comes, he will convict. He will what, friends? Oh, one more time, because you didn't, you didn't almost like not like saying that word, right? One more time, he will what? He will convict. It's just exposing. You know why he exposes? So you and I can go on the journey of sanctification. I am throwing theology words at you like crazy. Sanctification means the process of becoming made more like Jesus in holy living. Freedom. Convict the world about sin and righteousness, judgment. I don't know about you. uh, Is there anyone? Raise your hand. Do you have lane assist in your car? Is there anyone? A few. Has anyone ever been in a car with lane assists? All right. Yeah, it can be annoying. I got into a car one time and I was asked to drive this vehicle. I was already tired. And so I I, I didn't want to like say no to them. So I said, okay. And I started to like start daydreaming like a little too much where wisdom should have kicked in and say, someone else needs to drive this thing. But what I noticed is, as I was just daydreaming, is the car began to veer towards the center line. And all of a sudden, this vehicle, which I did not know had lane assist in it, grabbed the wheel and turned me back into my lane. I started freaking out. I was like, this is Term- Terminator, this is Skynet taking over. I didn't know what was happening. luckily, the owner of the vehicle had to tell me because I was freaking out. Like, what is happening? But then you realize you're thankful for it, right? Because you get a little too close to the line because the line's warning you there's danger over here. There's traffic coming the other way and lane assist gets you too close and it grabs the wheel for you and puts you back on the lane. That's what Holy Spirit does in our life. You're getting a little too close to outside the line, outside of holy living, outside of looking like Jesus. We need to course correct and realign you with the kingdom values and get you back down the road. I love in the book of Galatians where Paul's got a right to the region of Galatians. There's a ton of churches he started there. And this is what he reminds them. Because he's like, hey, listen, there is spirit and flesh. And the problem is flesh wants to take us over the line too much. And this is what he writes to the church. So I say, can we read those four words together? Walk by the Spirit. We are called to walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in, there's a raging war. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. You are spirit and flesh, and they are at war. But listen, when we are completely filled and we are walking by the Spirit, you and I don't have to gratify the desires of the world. Where the things of the world that once took us down, that once looked appealing, no longer look appealing to us. Because we're being filled with the Spirit instead of being filled with the things of the world. We don't need that anymore. This is one of the things to help you look more like Jesus. He cleans you up. Gentle conviction. He takes you as a cup, as a container. Says, hey, there's that little smudge of sin in your life right there. Let me, let's get it out because it doesn't look like Jesus. Hey, you've been carrying a lot of that shame and regret that Jesus paid a high price for. You don't, it's not yours to carry. Let's get in there and let's, let's get that out. Let's clean it up. Yeah, there's maybe perhaps your, your faithfulness to your spouse isn't what it should be right now. Maybe your gossip's a little too much and he's like, no, 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 let's clean that out because it doesn't look like my son. Jesus, we gotta, we gotta get that out of you. And now you're clean. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. You can't clean up yourself. Only a holy God can clean you up. The last thing is he fills you up. It's empowerment. He comes and cleans and everything that's inside of you that doesn't look, he he cleans. So the beautiful thing is every day, Holy Spirit, give me more of you. Every morning I pray this. For a fresh outpouring Holy Spirit, come and fill me up. And I don't just pray for a filling, I pray that I would be outpouring your presence everywhere I go. If you only give Holy Spirit that much, that's all he'll fill you. I think for a lot of Christians, maybe that's all we're, we're good with that. Just don't, don't, don't go too much. I don't want to look weird. I, don't want, I still want some of my friends that I hang out with, and they're going to think I'm that church person, you know? Like, that, that's good. Uh, Holy Spirit, is that enough to get to heaven? Like right there, that's good, right? Because if we're honest, we love heaven more than hell, but we may love the world more than heaven. And if that's all we give Holy Spirit, he's a gentleman, that's all he'll do. This isn't for the teaching now, but there are things that we put over in our lives when Holy Spirit's trying to pour out that we can't receive. We'll talk about that in 2022. little teaser for several months away. Every morning, Holy Spirit, give me more, give me more. And the more we offer ourselves and surrender to Holy Spirit, the more he just pours in and he will fill you up. That is your empowerment you were a container created to be filled by holy spirit acts chapter 1 verse 8 says but you will receive what friends power. oh one more time i want to, i want you to say it with power this is where we get the word dynamite all right ready you will receive yes when the holy spirit comes on you i don't know why i said it holy spirit but it, you guys got me all right you will receive power. We, we talked about this a few months ago. That power is purpose. The power had to come so now we can go out and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. But you will get it when he comes on you. When he fills you up. You can't get it on your own. Not only that, watch this. I love Galatians. Again, writing to the region of Galatia. But the fruit of the spirit, this is another filling that comes from his filling. You have fruit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if I'm really honest with you, I always used to look at those and say, those aren't manly enough for me. Like I want endurance. I want power to be there, right? Right? And in the last 16 to 18 months, I really, really have appreciated the fruits of the Spirit. And I know that's what you need. My father passed away about a week and a half ago. And I have a peace that surpasses all understanding that scripture tells. I'm living into that. But I truly believe It's because every morning I ask, Holy Spirit, fill me, fill me, so I can bear that fruit right now. How many of you know the way you talk to your spouse, those that you're in relationship with, maybe even your kids, that maybe perhaps you need a fruit in your life and you need gentleness because the way you have spoken is not gentle at all. And maybe in the midst of parenting, you need a little bit of self-control. Amen, parents? Just, hmm. But it'll come from his filling. You look at these, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I'm thankful for those fruits. But it comes from his filling. My prayer for you is that you guys would look like a very juicy orange tree. Because my morning, my prayer time during when we were in, remember so long ago when we were in quarantine forever? (laughs) Sorry to bring us there again. (laughs) But about a year and a half ago, I just started praying, Lord, I started praying the fruits of the Spirit over my family and over myself. I kept saying, Lord, I don't want raisins, I want the juiciest fruit of love bearing from my tree. And the trees of my wife and the tree of my kid. I want the big, juiciest fruit as you fill us with your spirit of joy in a world right now that needs a lot of joy. We have it. Because true joy is not based on circumstances, true joy is based on being in the presence of God and knowing who He is. May you bear the fruits because I do know this as we close, the best version of you is the one that's filled with the Holy Spirit. And you need it. And your family needs to see it in you. Your work needs it. Your school needs you to be filled. You may be saying, Ryan, well, how do we do that? How, How do we go about that? Well, the same crowd in the book of Acts when Peter started talking and preaching, he's just preaching and preaching. In Acts chapter two, he says this to the crowd as they were wondering. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Can we say these two again? Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. What's that word, repent? I was walking this lifestyle in sin and I'm turning away from that and I'm walking the path of God now. It's a complete 180 in your life. Once you do that, Peter says, Be baptized. Please hear me. I believe your baptism should be on the right side of salvation. It's believers' baptism. Every time you look in scripture, people came to faith. Salvation, then we're baptized. I'm not negating infant baptism here. Please hear me. But please hear me as well. That was never your choice. It was your parents' choice or your grandparents' choice. That wasn't yours. And you read all throughout scripture that when people came to faith, they got baptized. It was their choice now. That's why I'm a firm believer. Get it on the right side of salvation. Salvation. It's your choice. We don't negate what mom and dad or grandparents, they had right intentions. I'm not saying that. Don't go home and call your mom and saying, why did you get me baptized as an infant? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying now you know. Do you know why they even started infant baptism? Because the plague was ravishing Europe and the babies were dying. And the church says, what do we do with all these babies dying? And they're like, well, let's get them baptized. Maybe that will do something. That's where it literally had the genesis of infant baptism. But watch this. You repent and be baptized. And watch this, watch this. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's a gift in you. Just us few bow your heads and I'm gonna say a prayer for you. God, we first and foremost thank you for never leaving us. That we have your presence in us. Thank you for the power that you bring us. Thank you for the conviction, things in our lives that truly don't look like you. You are there with gentleness to cleanse us, to help us to walk the, the journey of sanctification, looking more like Jesus. Thank you so much. God, I know I could probably say this for everyone in this room. We need more of you. We need more of you. So with all heads and eyes closed still, I'm gonna ask you to do something maybe bold. We just got done talking about Holy Spirit. Maybe for some of you, you're like, I need more. I know I need more. I know there's sin in my life that I, I, I need out. I know there is more to this faith. I'm gonna ask you on the count of three. Actually, I'm not even gonna count. I just want you to raise your hand where you're seated if you want more, because I think when God sees an outward expression like that, I wanna pray over you. Yes, is there anyone else here? I'm gonna tell you, church, my hand's up. I need more of him. I need more of him. Yes, thank you, hands all over. Father, you see the hands. So we pray, pour your spirit out. Lord, there is willing hearts and wills to receive more of you. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Rest on us. Fill us. Anoint us with your power. May we live a life completely surrendered to you, Holy Spirit. And we pray this in the awesome name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. 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 Isn't God good, friends? All right. hey. Blessings to you. We'll see you next week. Go and be radiant.